morning, everybody. I uh, I got a right between services. Between services, got some sad news, and so I wanted to let everyone know about this. Some of you know Vince, uh, one of our members. He normally sits right here in a wheelchair, and uh, he died this morning. At least we learned of it this morning, and so um, Vince, a good friend of of mine, and and Many of you, and, and we've kind of known, you know, we've known that Vince is, he's been sick for a long time. And um, so for those of you who, um, who know Vince, um, he's going to be missed, and um, he's a dear friend. And um, last week he was here. He hadn't been here in eight weeks because he'd been in the hospital for eight weeks, and they released him, and he's had a... Um, congestive heart failure for a long time, and um, they they released him last week and and or two week a couple weeks ago, and then he's he's like, ah, I'm just so I want to get back to church, you know. And, and people from our congregation have been visiting him pretty faithfully and just dropping in on him, uh, especially over the holidays, and and um, and so that was good. And he was able to be here on Sunday, and um, you know, one of the things about Vince that I've always loved about Vince is. You know, with his condition, I mean, he's just he's he's been, he's been really sick. I think he's been operating with like 17% of a functioning heart. So I mean, his heart has just not been good for a long, long time. And but anytime you go and spend time with Vince, it's 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 really about him. He he, how are you doing? You know, how's the congregation? Every time I'm in there, how's you, how are you doing, Josh? No, but how are you really doing? How are you dealing with the news of your dad? My dad is sick. And and he talks me through stuff. He cares for me. And, and last week when he came, he sat down and he just he uh, we were talking. And he's asking me again, "How's your dad? How are you doing?" And uh, I I just I'm gonna miss that guy. He he really just uh, I know he's he's probably you know we could share different stories. We'll, we'll have some sort of a, a memorial for for Vince. He said, Josh, I don't want any kind of big thing. You know, he's, he's been telling me this. and But I said, it's going to be a big deal because people care about you, Vince. And uh, when we met Vince, it was a little over five years ago. He was homeless, and uh, he was living in his car. A guy from our church said, Josh, would you would you go and meet this guy at Starbucks? So I went and met him. He was working through a lot of different things. He was around 60 years old and, and uh, pretty much all alone. And uh, he came to know Christ that day, and then... You know, sometimes you share the you share your faith with people, and you're just not sure what's going to happen, especially with a stranger. And here Vince just shows up the following week, and you know I've had many people say, "Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to grow." And Vince's one of those guys that has stayed on that course, and so it's been fun to watch that. And and uh, you know, and he one of the things he has often said, whether it's on video or even you know as he shares in small groups and things like that, is like he's gained this huge family. You know, he, he he had very little um, five years ago, and he's just like gained a family, and so we'll miss him. Um, Jesus said this. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die." Do you believe this? And uh, and I, I, you know, though we're grieving and we're sad and and. Um, as a church family, we're, we're also rejoicing because he's able to um, experience what we just sang about. You know, I see the Lord. Like, he's able to take that in. He's been forgiven, and he's able to approach God 
in, in his glory. And that's something that is, um, he's also free from the, the pain of lots that he was working through and dealing with. And so we were, we have mixed emotion this morning as it relates to to this. And so we'll keep you updated on, on what to do. And yeah, um, there may be some ways that our church can help with some of the costs involved in um, in this. And so um, so I wanted to make you all aware of that. And you pray for um, the bishops, one of the families from our church, even if you don't know them. Vince um, had been living at their house for the last uh, few years, and he died this morning. They've, her, her husband, Jared, found him this morning. And so they're working through that. That's hard. That's something that they're struggling with. And so pray for them. And I pray for Vince. He has a brother in Palm Springs and some other family. And so, but let's let's pray together. And uh, God, we just <laughs> we thank you for life. We thank you for eternal life. That this world is is um, is not all that there is. That this world is, um, you know, in many ways just a a blip. Um, but that. We're going to spend eternity somewhere, all of us. Lord, thank you that that Vince has has begun um, just that eternal life. He already had experienced that, but Lord, now he's experiencing you face to face. And though um, there is great sadness today, there's also rejoicing just seeing the process that you took him through. And just seeing him yield more and more over to you through these past five years, Lord. We just rejoice in being able to be part of that process. And we thank you, Lord, that you um, you led you know, you led Vince home. Thank you for rescuing him. Thank you for the way you do that in our lives as well. God, thank you that you're a loving God who cares deeply for us. You get down on our level. And, um, Father, you allow us to connect with you. So I pray, Lord. For us as a congregation, Lord, help us to know how to care for um, those who are grieving through this time. Help us to know how to help cover costs as as his family, Lord, and to, to meet needs as they come up, Lord, to remember him and his life. Lord, thank you for the blessing it was to know him. And Lord, thank you for the blessing it is even more to know you and to know that for those who are in Christ, we're going to see him again. Lord, we just turn our hearts to you again this morning. We ask you for... Um, the ability to focus, Lord, our hearts on you. Lord, help answer the questions, God, that are that are most pressing in our life. This question of who you are that we've been asking, I pray that you'd, through your word, just speak to us, God, again this morning and help us to align our lives in, um, in a way that is that is pleasing to you and is, is good, Lord. So we pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> been an up and down week so so but I'll keep you posted we'll send out a, me- a message if you're wanting to know more about about you know this then we'll we'll, we'll we'll keep you posted so this is our, our third week we're looking at answering this question who is God and, and why does that matter um, we looked last two weeks at how God is all loving and there's no one like him there's no one like him in these ways. He's all loving. He pursues us. He has an active, giving, forgiving love. And it shapes our ability to love other people because of his love. We experience his love 
we can turn that around and love others in the same way. It's not going to look exactly the same because you and I, <laughs> we have lots of limitations. But he sets, a, he sets a pattern. His love sets the backdrop for how we're to love people. His love sets the backdrop for how we can forgive people. And um, so we talked about that a few weeks ago. Last week we looked at how God is all-powerful and how He is the Almighty God who has the power to create on a large scale. He creates on a very large, massive scale out of nothing, but we also can experience His acts of power as He works through us. If we'll abandon our own strategies, He can work through us. We looked at that last week. And His love and His power, those two character qualities, or that part of His nature, uh, they work together. They may seem like they're in conflict. Um, here's a picture of a, of a book that is from the Percy Jackson series. And this is a story um, of mythological gods. You know, with the Roman and the Greek gods, you have these gods that have tremendous power. And when you're dealing with a god of tremendous power, that creates tremendous fear <laughs> in people. Um, what allows us to really approach God and to, to, to relate to God is the fact that He is a God of great power. He's all-powerful, but He's also all-loving. All and so those two things are what allows, because He initiates a relationship with us, because He's both all-powerful and all-loving, we can know Him. We can draw close to Him. If He were only all-powerful, we would be um, in real trouble because of the choices we make. But because He's also all-loving, then it, it provides a way for us to really know Him. We can draw close to Him. So He's all-powerful, all-loving. Uh, this morning we're going to look at this, how He is also He is also all-knowing. Um, this is another part of who God is. He's an all-knowing God. He knows all things about us. The word omniscience is the word that means knowing everything. And this is true of God. He knows everything. It's the top of your listening guide. He knows everything about everybody all the time. And this is... This is good news. This is scary news. <laughs> this is great news um, when you're looking for help and guidance, but it's scary news when, when you've done something or when you think about your life. And, and God knows everything about everyone in this room, and not just the people in this room, but everyone who exists on the planet and whoever has existed and will. God, you know, He makes this claim, but who, who do you know that can make a claim like this? There's really there's no one that can. Some of you have great intellect and knowledge and you know a lot about a lot of things and some of you know a lot about cars um, and you know how to fix cars you know how to diagnose a problem on a car you know limitations on what can be done and what you should hand over you know to a mechanic and um, someone who knows even a little bit more now, some of you know something about computers and technology you can build uh, maybe software apps on phones you know some of you are maybe learning about those things because you have a knowledge in, in a realm um, some of you know a lot about people and you're, you're, maybe you, you know how to help people. You know how to help people grow. You study people. Um, and, or I know there's some in the church that know a lot about health and medicine and just, you know, um, diagnosing sicknesses and things like that. Every once in a while you meet someone who knows all of those things. And you're like, wow, you really you know it all, you know. You already know it all. Um, we call them, I call them the jack of all trades, the person who really just, they have a, a wide... Um, you know, knowledge in life and people that can just figure things out. But there's a limit. There's a limit to how much we really know. Um, who, who really can know all things? I mean, Santa, he makes this claim. Um, <laughs> he makes this claim. He, he, he claims to be all-knowing. Um, I want to show you a clip that reminds us of Santa's power. 
if he, you know, at least the claim to power. So. There, there's the claim right there. <laughs> He's omniscient. <laughs> he sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good. You know, be good. This puts a healthy fear in, in children, doesn't it, around the holidays when you're trying to get them to obey. And it might modify some behavior for a few months, but uh, you know, we know that there's still a limit on this, and um, we know the real scoop on that guy. And so, um, but people make this claim. Some, some boyfriends. And girlfriends make this claim. Here's, here's a new, another video. Actually, just a, a song for you. Uh, I, the idea of, I know what's going on. I know what you're doing right now. So, here's, a, here's another one. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you should watch the video on YouTube because Sting, he's like, he, it's like from the 1980s, and he's like playing on a, what is that? A cello bass. He's like, I'll be watching you. <laughs> he's like, got this old look, and he's just like, gives you this kind of eye, and he's just, Ugh. I used to call that the stalker song back in the day, so I'll be watching you, but. You know, this can get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> the idea of someone's watching me. Uh, I don't know anybody who can actually pull that off. God, though, he actually pulls this off. He, he, is, he, he is keeping an eye on us. He, he watches over us. Nothing at all startles God, though, about your life. So you might think, you might be freaking out. Oh my gosh, God is watching me? I mean, you may... I've heard this, but when you when you let that sink in, that may freak you out. But nothing startles God about your life. Nothing startles. There's no skeleton in your closet that would freak him out. Nothing shocks him about your past. He's not going to be surprised with your future in any way. He knows what lies ahead of our future. One of the very best passages that lays this out is Psalm 139. Um, the king of Israel, King David, he lays out this idea in detail. And let's look at it together. This is probably the most personal of all the Psalms, is Psalm 139, because it talks about God's intimate understanding of who we are, his, his close knowledge of us. It's a real personal psalm here. And this is really, this is a song, and um, it's really a song that David is singing, and it's good news. It's, it's not, he's not just freaking out about it. It's actually, he's, he's excited, he's praising God through this. Look at what it says, Psalm 139, verse 1. 
Oh Lord, he says, you have searched me and you've known me. This word search, it just has the idea of exploring. Someone's exploring. Someone's looking in, searching out. For the most part, we don't like this. We are people who like to have privacy. Um, there may be introverts in the room, extroverts in the room, but everybody, you know, for the most part, we don't like our privacy invaded. Um, the last thing I want to do is arrive at home, see the door kicked in, and walk in and see all of my cupboards open and stuff turned over and someone's just broken into my house and scoured through my stuff. But this is the idea that David is actually communicating here. You have. <laughs> you've busted down the door. There's no privacy with you, God. You've turned over all of everything in my life and you, you've scoured all the details. You know all the details. It all is exposed before you. And God knew him and he's communicating, God, you know me in and out. I'm excited. He's actually saying this, oh Lord. He's not saying, oh Lord. He's, he's, he's like rejoicing. It's, it's an excitement. Verse 2 says this, you know when I sit down, he starts explaining this description further. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You know, you, you discern my thoughts from afar. And then he, he almost states it again. This is a Hebrew form of writing is parallel thought. He says almost the same thing. You search out my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways. He's basically like saying, everywhere I go, the implication is, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, all that I'm thinking, you never miss a moment. And, and you know, when I sit down at the end of the day, I'm kind of reflecting or I'm wanting to just check out and just kind of go to a, a, a comatose place for a moment. You know, but he's aware of the thoughts that are running through my head or he's aware of the emptiness in my mind at that point. Um, you know, he never misses a moment. When I set out on a path, when you set out on your path for the day, he's there. Not only is he's there, but he's no, he knows he's, very, he's present with our thoughts as we go about our day. And most of us, again, we don't want to be known quite that well. Uh, but not only does God know all of our actions, he also knows all of our intentions. Sometimes we don't form... We don't actually say something, but we're thinking it. He, he knows those things as well. Look at verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You know, I have a bad habit of trying to finish people's sentences. Someone will be talking and I'm like, because you want to go to this. Or, and maybe you're like me, you might have that bad habit, and I just, I complete people's sentences. But sadly, I, I can't pull it off, and it frustrates I can see it on people's faces. Like, they just let me go. Like, are you done? <laughs> yeah, but I think I can complete this. Nah. I, I can't pull this off, but this is what he's saying here. You, it's like, you know, before I can even communicate it, you, you already know it. <laughs> uh, look at this paraphrase of this same verse from the Message Bible. You know everything I'm going to say before I, <laughs> before I even start the first sentence. David's saying, hey, before I could even frame the word, God thoroughly knew the idea that I was trying to communicate. That's, that's, that blows me away. Look at verse 5 and 6. He says, You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. The idea here is that, the, the picture is that it's like His hand covers all of us. And though sometimes we think, well, I can escape here and I can go there and no one will know. We're still like, you know, we may be going miles, but like, we, you know, we're still within His reach. Uh, he has the ability to to just know and to be involved and to be aware of, of where we're at, what we're doing. We never escape out of his his ha- his hand of care and his his eye. We, we we're never you know off the grid when it comes to God. There's just no escaping him. Now again, 
this is good news and it's bad news. This, all, this almost overwhelms David. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, such knowledge, that's too wonderful to, for me. I, it's too high. I can't attain it. Um, this attribute is so far beyond our ability to comprehend or relate to. Uh, but in summary, here, here's just three summary things. God is never surprised. Oftentimes we're so shocked. We learn the truth about someone that we thought we knew, and but he's not surprised. He is never at a loss for what to do in a situation. He's never surprised. He knows every detail of our lives. Meaning, he, he you know, he knows my entire life, every moment, every every mistake, every high, every low. That blows my mind. Another thing is, he has complete understanding of all of us. Uh, when it seems like no one really understands me, I can rest knowing he understands me. You can rest in that same knowledge of him. Uh, how does this impact you? To, to David, this was a reality that brought relief. He was relieved at this news. And that's not usually the case. The reason is because since Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman, they sinned, they rebelled against God. And since that time, people have been running and hiding from God. And God has been working a rescue plan in order to give people an opportunity to come back into a relationship with Him. And He's been revealing this plan to people since the very beginning. He's been revealing His plan. And He's he's spoken to us through different things about His existence, the fact that He's there, um, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how God has, has spoken through many times in many different ways. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke finally through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is, um, is you know, basically, when Jesus took on human flesh and when He stepped into our world, He gave us a picture of God. He is the imprint, the exact imprint of God's nature. And so, um, it's wise to let Jesus' word shape our reality. When Jesus speaks, when He talks... When he says something, it's wise to let his words shape our understanding of, of reality and of who God is. And so Jesus, this is the flip side of God's omniscience. Jesus taught that the scary side of the truth, that there's a scary side of the truth, that God knows everything. He, he kind of taught the flip side. He, he just shocked people at points. And it's, for us, it's sobering. One day he was answering an attack from his critics, the Pharisees. Jesus said this about our words said this, Matthew twelve thirty six. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. This is one of those verses you just like, ah, I'm going to gloss over that one. <laughs> Rip that thing out of my Bible. Doesn't exist. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Every means total, like whole, all, every kind of, every careless word, anything that fits in that category. How many careless words, you know, we can't count them. This is great, though, to know this, isn't it? It's great to know this when you realize that that person who was angry at you, hurtful to you, hurled, you know, insults at you, they're going to be examined and judged by God. But it's scary to realize the same applies to you. Because I said hurtful, insulting words as well. And so it's kind of like, that's a scary truth. Another time Jesus says this about the hypocrisy of, of the Pharisees. He says in Luke 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is a yeast or a culture that grows within dough. He's saying, There's something spreading inside this type of person that will spread to others. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That's what's spreading. There's this, that's the bad stuff growing on the inside of these religious leaders that Jesus is, is speaking out against. He says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. There's stuff that it may appear like they've got it all together, but nothing's going to be covered that won't be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Everything comes out. Everything. 
Everything in our life comes, comes out. Therefore, whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, this is sobering again. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, oh, I, okay, i got to talk to someone about this. And we go a little too far with what we say. Even the private things we say, those things, those, those get revealed. So Jesus is teaching us this. He's teaching us this. That every thought, every act, and every word will be exposed and examined on the day of judgment. This word examined is really important. Exposed and examined. We don't often think this way. That, that we're actually, our, our lives will be examined. And when we meet God, we'll give an account. We will give an account for our lives. Again, this is the scary side of God's omniscience. And the fact that God knows everything about everybody all the time. Uh, listen to this statement from uh, an early follower of Christ. This is in the book of Hebrews 4.13. The writer of Hebrews says, And no creature, that, that's us, we fit in that, no creature is hidden from his sight. He sees us all. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Again, over and over we find out our lives are going to be exposed and examined. If God was not our judge, this wouldn't be scary. But in our soul, deep inside, we know he is the judge. And so this is... And if God weren't all-powerful, then the judgment wouldn't be so frightening. And if, if, if he weren't pure and perfectly just, then maybe we could just negotiate with God. But he's perfect. He's holy. And so our lives are so far to the opposite of that that it's all going to come out. Now, this is why it all matters. Here's why it matters. Number one, because we have a judge. This is the good news. We have a judge who helps us get ready for the judgment. We have a judge who helps us get ready. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. After Hebrews 4, 13, which says, you know, everything's going to be, you'll give an account. We're all naked and exposed before the eyes of him who we must give an account to. Then he says this, verse 14 says, Since then, we have a great high priest, a mediator, that's a mediator between God and his people. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. That's Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. So what he's saying is, we're going to be judged by our lives and by our actions and by our words and by our deeds, by our choices. But then he, he brings the good news up. Since we have a great high priest who's going to speak for us on that day and claim that we are his if we're in Christ, hang on to him. Let us hold fast our confession. Don't let go of the confession of your faith in Christ because that's what he's doing to prepare us. He's, he's saving us from the penalty of our sin. Because if we have not, if we're not in Christ and if our sin, our life of sin has not been forgiven, then our deeds, our life of sin and rebellion, our words, all of that will judge us and condemn us to eternal separation from God in hell. But he's saying, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, hold on to our, your confession. You have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, who's going to mediate for you. This is tied to the judgment. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. This is great news again. He's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, meaning he understands us. He's not out of touch with us, but he's one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. That's Let us then with confidence, he says, draw near to the throne of grace. Keep drawing near to the throne of grace. Keep drawing near to God's grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now this is, the, this is an amazing picture. He's saying, look, we're all going to appear before God all of our lives, all of our acts, our thoughts, our deeds. But we have a mediator that we can, that we can hold on to. We can pull, 
we can draw close to God because of His grace. And since the first man and since the first woman rebelled against God, we as a group of people have been a race of fugitives on the run from God. And that's probably why we like chase movies and chase stories and chase scenes in movies. I like watching a good chase. You might like that as well. The reason why, I think, is because we can identify with the chase. Because we are fugitives on the run. And in some ways, we're afraid of the, of the God who knows everything about us. You know, He knows you better than your spouse. He knows you better than your closest friend. And, and He loves you still. He's aware of every wrong you've ever thought, every wrong you've ever done, and He still pursues you with His love. You see, Jesus, it says... Um, you know, he, he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he became a man and he was he was he was tempted in all ways, yet he was without sin. So he understands what it is to be human. He understands what it is to have the opportunity to, to move towards sin and and depravity and darkness. He understands that, yet he didn't sin. He knows all that about us and yet he still went to the cross for us. And so that's the comfort is that we have a we have a God who who knows everything about us. He's the judge who provided not only the covering for our shame, but, you know, well, he, he, that's the good news. He provided the covering for our shame, Jesus Christ. R.C. Sproul says this. He said, God knows the fugitive's crime, and he gives the fugitive a hiding place. This is great news for us if we're in Christ. This means we should quit trying to cover up our shame. We should quit trying to, you know, make our lives good, apart from His work, and just accept His death for our sins and give our lives to Him. Our, our knowledge of God, as we keep looking at how God is all-loving and all-knowing and, and all-powerful, all of this knowledge of God, what it does, it keeps pointing us back to the place where we would surrender to Him. That's the goal. He wants us to surrender to Him. To the God that really is there. Not just the God that we make up in our mind, but the God that really exists and that relates to us. If you've never done that, we want to encourage you to do that. If, if you want to talk to someone, come talk to one of our staff members after service at the info and guest table. We'd love to, to help you think through that. Because Jesus, He's our hope. He's our only hope. It's a scary truth to, to understand this about God and to not experience His forgiveness, to, to not receive forgiveness of our sins because we recognize that our judgment is, is the judgment is coming. It is severe. It is, uh, all, it, it's exposing. And without Jesus, we don't have hope. But He can mediate for us. If you've never done that, again, don't don't delay that. You know, we don't know how many days we have on this earth. Another another last thing is this: why it also matters is we have access to the greatest guide. Since He knows all things, <laughs> He's the greatest guide. He's the guy. He's He's the one you want on your side. In life, we tend to trust the experts. We trust doctors, mechanics, professors. Um, what do we do when we want direction for life? For the real difficult things of our lives, who do we turn to? Do you turn to your friends? Do you turn to experts on TV? The experts? Do you turn to your feelings? I mean, my decisions can go from good to really bad, depending on how I'm feeling. And so, do you turn there? I don't know about you, but when I need direction, I want direction from someone who has the greatest sense of direction, who's right 100% of the time. I, I, the good news is that's God. He's the He's the God who knows all things about us and about the world that He's made. And so He can guide us. He doesn't withhold directions. He actually wants to give it to those of us who seek Him. Look at Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verses 13 through 19. 
kind of weaves together this picture that we have of God so far of His all-loving nature, His all-powerful and all-knowing nature. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. That's His omniscience. From where He sits enthroned, He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. There are some powerless things in the world, but behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. That's his all-loving nature. That he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. He's an all-powerful God who can rescue us, even even from death. This is a great picture of all, all loving, all powerful, all knowing God. He, he wants to use those things to provide help. Our role, though, is to seek His guidance. On the back, you can flip the back. Important thing is learning to, to seek God's guidance. Here's two keys. Number one, to seek God's guidance, we, we need to learn how to recognize when God's actually speaking to us. Learn to recognize God's voice. A key characteristic of Christians is that they're able to recognize God's voice. This is how it is with children. They can tell when their mom or dad is in the other room. They can hear you talking, and they're like, oh, they heard me talking. They start crying again. You're like, you've got to go further away from the house because your, your child hears you, and they hear your voice, and, and that brings comfort, but they also want you near because they recognize it's you. Um, this is the way it is for Christians. Is A Christian begins to recognize God's voice. There's all sorts of voices um, and so learning to discern which is God's voice, how is God, what is God saying, is something that is really important, something that is needed. Um, God primarily, though, he speaks to us through his word, the Bible. My dad does this maze at his church. He's been doing this for 25 years in three different cities where he, put, he builds this giant maze for a week, the week of Halloween. And he, he builds this giant maze through multiple rooms in, in their church and and people walk through this maze, and they crawl through tunnels, and they go through these areas. And, and um, there's people behind walls, and they're like telling them, go this way, go that way. Or, or, or they'll, move, they'll move walls, and so they'll kind of put people into these trap areas, and they'll be stuck for a while. And, and um, they, have, they usually have like a scripture on different walls. And what you learn to, to do is you learn to trust where the scripture is, is placed, because that's usually the right location. Because he's trying to help people understand there's all these voices in the world. The only trustworthy voice is learning to recognize what God is saying to us. He reveals his word to us or his words to us through through the scripture. And so learning beginning to understand that primarily God's going to speak to us through the Bible is the first part of seeking God's guidance. And second, we need to know how he guides. Within we need to ask questions. There's certain things like, is my thinking consistent with his word? That's a good question. Sometimes his word is guiding us over here. You need a familiarity with God's Word. If you're going to be guided by Him, you need to know what He's saying in order to filter all the other input that's coming in because He will not contradict what He said in the Word. Sometimes you're thinking, I need to do this in my life. I'm being guided to do something here. I feel like this is the right call. But it contradicts what He says. If you don't have a filter for the input, then really difficult to navigate through life and our choices. Another question to ask about God's guidance is, is what I'm thinking consistent with the way that God has made me? Sometimes his guidance, um, or his guidance flows with how he's made you. Sometimes our own thinking leads us away from um, reality, the way that God has actually made us. He'll lead you into endeavors that you can actually do in life. And he won't take you on an adventure to fulfill a dream that is not in line with who 
He's made you to be. He's going to stretch you. He's going to stretch us in life because he wants us to walk by faith. But God is not going to lead me, for example, to take a serious run at American Idol or anything like that. Because that's not how God has made me. God's not going to, his, his guidance is not going to be, it's going to be consistent with how he's made you. Now, what's important about this is that it's in line with his word, but it's also, as you get around people who know you, they'll, they'll help be a filter for some of the ideas that come to your mind. People who know you well will be able to say, you know what, you might want to reconsider that idea. Uh, another question that is important to ask is, does my decision involve faith, service, or sacrifice? Does this choice I'm feeling guided to do focus on faith, service, or sacrifice? If it does, those are, those are God leads in those directions. Focusing on those help us from avoiding the pull to be the star in life and to rely on ourselves. And our desire to be the star in circumstances can really deceive us. God may you know, make you the star in life, but for the most part, He's not going to make that promise to you up front. And so, uh, but God is going to guide us through His Word. There's ways we can learn how to hear His voice and how to discern His guidance. Um, in about a month, we're going to be looking at just the Word of God and how to really um, not get stuck at hard passages or how to um, navigate through it, how to understand how it's put together. And so I hope you'll join us because we're going to be looking at um, this guidance you know, that we get from God primarily through His Word. And so I want to invite our worship team to come back up and uh, take a look at these three next steps. Uh, first one is to, to spend some time thinking through Psalm 139, meditating on those verses that we've looked at already, and really use that as a time to pray, to seek God. Second, if you've not decided to follow Christ, if you, if you are at a point where you've just made that decision recently and you want to let us know, check that box. We'd love to follow up with you. Or if you have questions about that, you can, you can check that. We can follow up with you regardless. And then third, pray and actively seek God's guidance in a certain area of your life that you're facing. He's the God who knows you. Begin to pray. Pray and ask God to guide you through those things that you're facing right now, whatever those might be. But let's go to Him right now in prayer. Father, thank You for Your great love, Your great power, and Your vast knowledge of all things in this world. Lord, the, this subject brings up mixed emotions about this because of our sin. And at the same time, Lord, there's great relief if we've experienced your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would keep our lives right with you. Lord, that we'd recognize that you see everything and it's all coming out. Lord, help us to walk closely with you. Give us the power to to resist sin and temptation. Lord, give us the power to walk in victory in our lives. Lord, also give us the power to to reject our pride when our pride prevents us from confessing sin and keeping things hidden in the dark. Lord, help us to walk free from just guilt and shame. Lord, as we just bring things out, Lord, ask you for help. And thank you for covering over our shame. Thank you for covering our sin and in Jesus and His death. Lord, we did not deserve that. We're so grateful, Lord. We're so undeserving of it. And so, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take that for granted. Guide us, Lord, this week. Guide us with the uh, the months ahead. Many of us are making major choices this year. And, Lord, I pray You strengthen us, Lord. Many of us are stuck at places of decision. Lord, help us, God. Guide us. Help us to seek You in Your Word. 
and finance are from you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.